What's up, crew? Welcome to the lounge. We are, uh, you know, we're open for business. Time to have a little fun. Episode number 117, I believe, is what we're looking at. Uh, April the 26th, 2021. Yes, it is. So for all of those, of course, while YouTube notifications go out, that sort of thing, for those that are jumping in, listening in the replay, remember, you can always participate in the conversation. Who knows where it's going to go tonight? <laughs> but you can participate later on down in the, uh, in the comments below, uh, wherever you might be watching, listening, so forth and so on. Uh, for everybody that is jumping into the live chat, remember that the lounge is and Mondays have pretty much always been your show. So uh, topics, questions, those sorts of things, dump them down in the uh, in the live chat out there. We'll see if we can't uh, address them tonight. We've got what is, I guess, going to be another ghost in Clover. So honestly, there's no telling where this one ends up. Uh it can get dangerous really quick, but Ghost is with us. What's up, bro? What's up? I like what you did with the digs. I can't see the cameras off, but you've completely redone the interior. I like the tie-dyed kind of hippie effect you got going on in there. I like that. Yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Appreciate that. Sure. You know, speaking of that, I don't know if you noticed, but I redid channel art and some other things. I did not notice that. When did you do that today? Um, I don't know, a couple of days ago or so. Mm, I'll have to go look um, at it. I got the uh, got the range kind of lined out a little bit, at least for now. And um, I thought, you know what? You know, I'd taken a couple of videos. May or may not be a little YouTube uh, hashtag shorts on the range that releases uh, here in the next little bit. But uh had some pictures and stuff and I'm like, you know, I ought to change my, my background up and um do another picture, you know, whatever you call it, a headshot or whatever, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh do that, change all that up. Uh it's been a while. It's been a long while. And so um man, I didn't realize, I mean, getting the dimensions and proportions and everything right for YouTube is one thing. And then when you go to try to do your channel art on Facebook, totally different. You try to do it on YouTube and you try to do it on full 30 and you try to do it. It's like different everywhere you go. And so I'm a back and forth in the Photoshop. Like, okay, I got to move this over. I got to crop this out. I got to do this. I got to do that. Uh, it was an ordeal. I spent the better part of a day you know, probably doing that. And that was once I had the idea, the concept, right? The, the basic yeah. artwork design that I wanted. Uh, but, yeah. It's always, yeah. it's always fun when, um, you know, you've got 39 different platforms and you have 39 different dimensions. So yeah, it's always great. Thank you guys. Appreciate you. God yeah. forbid they actually talk to each other and say, Hey, maybe just maybe we should go with this dimension. Mm -hmm. Yeah, or industry standard, you know, I mean, mm -hmm. uh, uh, what is it, a um, 16 by 9 format is pretty much seems to yep. be industry standard on most things. Why could you not just have it where it was a 16 by 9 format or something? It, yep. yeah, it makes absolutely no sense. Um, one thing that I did forget, um, and I need to put this out there, just made a post for the YouTube channel members as well as the Patreon patrons. You can see it scrolling below, obviously. Thank you to... Uh, all of those folks, but we've got our private executive chat happening directly after this. So top of the hour, 
uh, 9 Eastern. We'll talk about some of the stuff uh, going on with the channel, uh, pick your brains, that sort of thing. Uh, there is links. Uh, obviously, if you're a YouTube channel member, you can get to that link through the uh, community tab. And if you're a Patreon patron, I think it's been posted over there about twice now. So uh, follow this, jump over there, and uh, I'll throw the StreamYard link out for that. You can uh, join in the uh, panel even if you want, whatever. But uh, yeah, that is the unfiltered version of CloverTech. We'll talk some uh, some channel business. Also forgot to shout everybody out, but G23 is out there as well as Mr. Sanchez. 223 in the house west buck uh dre big dre in the house uh 2a david out there with us uh as well so yeah if you're out there chime in let us know you're there and uh we'll try to say hey to you and also again as the uh, pinned comment up there suggests if you got topics or uh whatever then uh, throw those topics or questions out there and we will uh and we'll get it done so um to a David says, so I ordered a gun cleaning mat for an AR on Etsy with a gun cleaning kit for 18 bucks. I hope it arrives first time using Etsy. Uh, I've only used Etsy a couple of times. Uh, my wife's used Etsy more than I uh, haven't had a huge problem on that. Uh, I'm kind of curious, though, um, on the gun cleaning mat, are we talking about some type of a customized mat or is it one of the silicone style mats or uh yeah what are we what are we talking uh on that give us a little more detail on the mat uh i know that i have used um i've got a couple i've got one that dylan precision sent me uh no wait no it's not is it no maybe it's not who sent me that <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think. Maybe it's Ransom Rest that sent me that. It's one of the two. It's a company in Arizona. Anyway, um, that is um, silicone, and I really like it. And then it was an Amazon company, uh, Rayseek, I think, R A I S E E K, that's got a pretty cool silicone one, too. It's got little magnets in one side. It's got these little compartment tray type things and little magnets in there uh, to hold your parts. But I will say this about the. Um, uh, he said it's a mouse pad style. So, yeah, makes sense it being on Etsy, probably a custom type uh, thing. I think I think part of the criteria with Etsy is you have to make the stuff yourself or create it yourself or whatever. Uh, but the silicone stuff, man, um, they wipe clean easily. You know, you don't have to worry about like with the old felt mats. I don't know if you've messed with those in the past or not, Ghost, but uh, cleaning mats of the past were kind of gross i mean you don't really you get them soaked with um you know different solvents and different things i mean you really don't want to throw those in your washing machine with your clothes and stuff to clean them up and they can get really nasty yeah i've got i've only got a couple of mats um i've got one that rod and shelly sent and then i got one that Gunstreamer sent several years ago uh, for the Breda 92. Um, so, yeah, I've, I haven't used them a whole lot, but they're pretty cool. And as far as Etsy goes, I've never ordered anything on Etsy. I've been on there a couple of things, but I've never ordered because it's new to me. So I didn't feel comfortable ordering anything. So I, I don't know. I, hopefully, I'm sure it works out fine, though. Mm -hmm. The tactical pup is murdering a toy back there, by the way. Yes, it is. She turns one tomorrow. So, yeah, she's having fun. Sorry about that. Um. We got uh, 
Bernie out there says PayPal is uh, really good with fraudulent purchases. Just saying, yeah, they, they really are. Um, they typically they've gotten to where they benefit. <laughs> and I'm coming from this as a, as somebody who has sold a lot on PayPal. Uh, yeah, they lean much more toward the buyer. Unfortunately, um, I've actually gotten screwed over as a seller on there before you really got to mind your P's and Q's and how you ship and a lot of different things. Um, yeah, we've got Calabrese out there, the tactical pickle, TJ in the house as well. Uh, Calabrese says, ideal LVPO for 45 Raptor. So going off that 45 Raptor cartridge, um, you know, honestly, a four power, one to four, probably going to get it. Um, definitely don't need to get up into the, to the, the eight power for sure. Uh, and I would think six power probably would be pushing it. Uh, on that 45 Raptor, just my opinion. Um, just something to make sure that people realize is when you're buying an LPVO, a lot of them are made specifically for two, two, three, five, five, six. So if you are looking for an LPVO, just make sure, you know, that it doesn't say, uh, now you can use any of those for different calibers, but the, the drops, well, obviously you'll have to recalibrate, recalculate all your drop holds and all of that. Right. Um, so just be, you know, if, if it says it's for a, a 50 yard zero or a hundred yard zero, they're probably typically talking about two, two, three, five, five, six. So you might have to recalculate yeah. all of the holes. Well, and there are also something else that folks need to keep in mind with, and, and this applies to any scope that's, that's BDC reticle or anything like that. Right. That's caliber specific or cartridge specific. Um, not even, uh, or not just LVPOs is that a lot of those like uh i can't remember was it nikon had one called like the ar223 or something like that and then they had one that was like the ar5 the ar300 and I'm, i may be mistaken it may not be nikon yeah, bush no has else. one now that's 223 uh, yeah. specific well uh, maybe yeah maybe but, uh, nikon one. did have one but yeah uh, i know the bush no has one uh, the one that they sent me is a 223 specific yeah not that you can't use but you're going to have to, like I said, recalculate everything. Well, and they're, they're made or they're, they're done according to a certain load, a certain actual yep. cartridge and bullet weight as well. So to yep. say to get to two through three and you want to run sort of 55 grain or 62 grain, you want to run a 75 grain, it's going to be different. So yep. uh, that's something to keep in mind too. A lot of people go, Oh, well, you know, they tout how awesome it is that they've got the, whatever that's tuned to whatever caliber. And it's like, well, that's great, but that's actually tuned to a certain load spec. Yep. And if you change that for any reason, you're screwed anyway. So yep. yeah, here's the FUD is going to come out in me, right? Here's why I don't necessarily gravitate or care about, well, this scope is for a specific load, right? Because I shoot, all types of different grain weights and stuff like that. I mean, 300 blackout, for example, I run the gamut uh, anywhere from 90 grain all the way up to 265 grain. So I don't need my scope. And even, you know, whether it has that capability or not, uh, I don't utilize it in that way. Uh, George Walker in the house out there with us, HBO Matt jumping in and the 1% Rich White. Uh, throwing out some different stuff. Uh, George out there. Yeah, they were saying out there that the Vortex rates everything for 50 well being rated is different than being calibrated right 
it can be rated for 50 BMG, which means that that scope can handle the percussion and the power of a 50 BMG round. It doesn't mean that it's calculated and it's configured for 50 BMG or 45. So mm -hmm. uh, once again, and it's not just the LPVO. You've got to make sure whatever mount or rings that you get are yep. also going to handle the load of a 45 or whatever caliber you decide to put through it. Yeah, no doubt. Um, you know, something that I run into, uh, Rod with the gun cleaners out there with us. Let's say, y'all, how's it going? Um, one thing that I run into with the 50, you know, when I got my 50, it had literally a Walmart center point 41644, something like that on it, which is actually on a, I think I've ended up putting that on like a 270 or something, and I'm still running it. Um, that $80 Walmart scope, believe it or not, I did shoot it with that on the 50 multiple times but anyway got a good set of rings on there and i did some calling around and rated and will they warranty it if they know it's on a 50 <laughs> right. yeah. are two different things <laughs> also also rated and they've actually tested it on a 50 are two different right. things so i went with an swfa super sniper um, and SWFA located here in Texas. And one of the reasons that I went that route is I had multiple long conversations with them um, about the 50 BMG, and they actually verified testing on all of, all of their lineup. Uh, it's verified tested on the actual model 50 BMG I have. So, um, and they, yes, they like, yes, we don't care. We will, it, we will warranty it if something goes wrong, blah, blah, blah. And uh, so, you know, they're just up the road. I say just up the road. I live in Texas, right? So they're three freaking hours away. He's just up the road. But, um, you know, I wouldn't have to send it in. I could literally drive up there, hand it to them, say it's broke, get another one and come back home, right? Make a road trip out of it. Um, so that was a plus as well. And so that's that's why I went that that route. So just be aware that what companies say a lot of times yeah. and the reality behind the situation. And I'll give you a good example because this is something I'm going to go off on a little bit of a, a tirade, a little a related yet unrelated rant here for a second is so Sears is gone. Lowe's buys the Craftsman brand, but Lowe's doesn't handle Craftsman the way Sears handles Craftsman. And that aggravates the bejesus out of me. I could do anything I wanted to a craftsman tool. And I actually worked for Sears for quite a number of years uh, in their automotive department. Um, so I had broken tools on the job. Uh, but literally, you walk in there, you've got a broke craftsman. You hand it to them. They throw it in a box behind the counter and they tell you to go get another one. Um, so as it relates to scopes and what we're talking about, even if it says lifetime warranty on the box and all this other stuff doesn't necessarily mean uh, a whole lot of nothing. Um, people can, you know, they can have a quote unquote lifetime warranty policy in play, but the practicality and the realistic aspects of all of that sometimes um, is a pain. We hear it about, we well, we've heard it in the past anyway. Seemingly, I, I hear people say it's getting better with Taurus, for example, uh, that they've got had a lifetime warranty forever, but yet it's like good luck getting things done. I hear that about Smith and Wesson to this day. Yeah. Um, well, and there's another yeah. thing also, you're talking about tools. 
you know, I just put a video out, I don't know, about an hour or so ago about mounting an LPVO or basically you can use it for mounting any kind of scope. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is one thing that a lot of people um, maybe tend to forget or might be willing to skip out, which they shouldn't, is get a rifle torque wrench, please. Um, you can get one for like 25 to 30 bucks. Uh, and my wheeler costs like 25 bucks. But what it is, is you can see, because most manuals are going to have, okay, for the mount, it says 30 pounds of torque. But for the rings, you want to maybe, it says 15 to 18 or 18 to 20 pounds. Well, if you're just using a normal hex key, you could crack that tube. So a a torque wrench, if you're new to it and have never used a scope before, Mm -hmm. a torque wrench will help a lot to make sure that you don't crack that scope, that tube. Yeah, I think I think it's absolutely that's absolutely true. Now I'll go I'll go I'll go all nerd out on tools a little bit. Um, I don't think you have to have specifically a rifle, right? I think you can go to Harbor Freight uh, and a Harbor Freight torque wrench. Sure, uh, is going to do you just as good as job as as a Wheeler or an actual a oh, gunsmithing yeah. brand, right? Um, here's the thing: there is a difference, and make sure that you're aware of this when we're talking scope, scope rings, mounts. That's inch pounds, not foot pounds. So Correct. you're going to need a torque wrench that does inch pounds. Uh, what I love, you brought up Wheeler. Uh, company that both of us have done some work with in the past, I think. Um, I've had for many years, they call it the, the fat wrench, uh, F-A-T. That's that's what I have, yeah. Yeah, um, and it's firearm accuracy torque or accurizing yep. torque or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's in inch pounds, and it's easy to adjust. It's, yep. it's awesome. I love that thing. And, and that's one of the reasons why I say a rifle torque for someone who's new is not because the foot to inch pounds – but if you just go and go to like a Walmart or wherever, and you're going to try to find a torque wrench, most of them start at like 50 pounds uh-huh. torque because they're used for automobiles or whatever. Right. And very few are going to find much less in inch pounds, but like a, a, something that goes down to as slow as 15 inch pounds of torque. Most right. torque wrenches are heavy duty ones. So, and that's why I, I use that fat one and that's, I'm, I'm, it's on the video, but yeah, that one, the reason why I say a rifle one is because those are usually in inch pounds, but they also start at zero pounds instead of starting at 50 pounds for a, a normal torque wrench. Right. Yeah. Um, and if they are, I mean, look at the quarter inch drive stuff. Uh, typically if you find one at a, a at a tool store or whatever, um, that's in inch pounds, it's going to be quarter inch drive. Uh, and then the, your lower foot pounds as well typically are going to be a uh, quarter inch drive. So uh, that just something to sort through and, and look at uh, rich out there was talking about the uh, uh, LBPOs. Uh, he was talking about the primary arms. Uh, and he says that they're the manual out there uh, that comes with the primary arms. I don't own anything primary arms, but he says uh, actually has uh, the information for calibration on nine, five, five, six, uh, 762, 39 and 308. So that's, that's good to know. Good to know. Yeah. I want to say, and I, I don't have a primary arms. Um, I want to say that they run like a, uh, an ACOG style reticle. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I mean, if, if they, and most manuals might, you know, and most manuals might have the calculations in the back of the manual for a hundred yard, let's say a hundred yard zero with two, two, three, or with, um, 762 by 39 or whatever and that's great so you know if you use a different zero normally 
um, like I use a 36 yard zero, you can still zero an LPVO, but you're going to have to do all the recalculations for those drops and holds. Um, so that's why I say if, if the manual says that it works best and these are the holds for a 5,200 yard zero or a 100 yard zero, mm-hmm. then unless you really want to go with a different zero, go with what the manual says, because at that point you don't have to worry about changing anything. It's going to give you those holds all the way out. So let's say four five, 600 yards, right. which is great. That's what the LPVO is there for. So unless you just really want a different zero, um, it's, it's probably best to go with what they're recommending because like Rich said, they're in the back of that manual, they're going to have a table for your holds at which each different, uh, notch is, is going to be valued at for 200, 300, mm-hmm. 250 and all that. So it does help for sure. Yep. Now, uh, our and daughters, I see jumped in out there. <coughs> Pardon me. <clears throat> yeah. That's where, uh, dope books. And stuff comes into play or apps, right? And that's what I've got Absolutely. on my phone. I've, I've got, of course, notebooks and I've got other things, especially reloading. Um, but yeah, I mean, me, you know, I like I like a mil dot reticle. And right, yeah. Part of the reason I like a mil dot reticle is I just it, it, you're you're best at what you're used to, right? And so I've I've used mil dots for so many years, and especially in reloading that I know all the dope when it comes to those mill dots. So I know that, you know, if I've rutted the, let's say the 115 grain, um, you know, tack PX or something like that, uh, in 300 blackout, then it's, it's, you know, everything is sighted in, it's zeroed, it's dead hold, you know, all of that kind of stuff. If I move up to the 147, then I'm going to have to move to this dot, right? Or maybe even halfway in between this dot and, and another dot. But, you know, I've gotten used to where I know when I switch my loads over where that falls into those into those meals. And, um, you know, what's interesting about the build dot setup, too, for me is I've used it for so long. I don't even view that as longer range anyway. Right. Um, shorter range. I mean, we're looking dead center, but uh, longer range. I don't view that as dots. Uh, I view it as like almost like I see it almost subliminally, right? As not visually, as a piece of graph paper. And, you know, at any kind of range, if I get one shot off, the next shot's on. Because, right. yeah. sure. because I see where it lands within that, that grid. You know, I see the dots and everything as a grid. And I see where it lands and, and I got your number at that point. Uh, yeah. Papa's out there, 45 ACP in the house. We'll uh, we'll get back on some tool chat here in just a second. Go ahead, Ghost. Oh, I was just saying, yeah, I mean, mill is I, – I prefer mill, um, but I tell you what I'm really enjoying is the BDC reticles right now because my favorite reticle um, – it's probably why I love the EOTech so much is that, is that circle dot. I love a circle dot reticle in a, in a red dot, and that BDC – when you look through that reticle, it, it reminds me of a circle. It's not a true circle dot, but it's close enough to where it looks good to my eye. Mm-hmm. And, and that's another thing is, is before you go and buy a scope, you might sit there and say, well, everyone says that this vortex is great this, you know, or this, the strike eagle is great or the primary arm is great. But that's something you've got to look at also is the reticle. If you don't like a crosshair reticle, it might be too busy for some people. It might be confusing for some people. You know, then make sure before you get into whether it's LPVO or any scope, make sure that the reticle 
is what you like in your site picture because if, if it's not, and then you start talking about first focal plane, second focal plane. If you don't want that reticle to enlarge, then you better go second focal. But there's so many different variables that are yep. specific to the end user, and that's why there are so many different options out there. It's not saying that one is better than the other. It's literally giving you a crosshair reticle or a BDC reticle and first focal plane or second focal plane, blah, blah. I mean, the, the, the options are endless almost. So make sure before you go and spend your money that you're getting exactly what you want. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, George out there, he says Real Abbott has one that does exact pounds. Uh, Real Abbott's got some really nice stuff. I've got a lot of Real Abbott. Uh, a lot of real avid tools. Um, some of them are a little pricey, <laughs> some of the stuff. Uh, but some of their simple tools are just like the brushes and picks set, for example, uh, is amazing. Uh, and it's because I'll tell you why. When you're talking about something like a uh, 22 long rifle, being able to get down and clean in the map in the magwell and stuff, uh, those magazines aren't very wide. <laughs> obviously uh and standard brushes and stuff won't go and for years i would take and grind down a toothbrush grind down the sides on it to make it thinner uh and they've addressed all of that man they're they're nice and thin uh they got multiple types of brushes multiple types of picks really cool uh well the tool side of things rich out there uh, rich white says those try to turn craftsmen into cheap chinese garbage can't have uh Craftsman be a competitor to their cobalt line. Totally agree. I, I've been a fan of cobalt. Uh, at the end of the day, for me, you know, that, that's something that uh, eventually is going to come out in a video because I, I view firearms, I view everything pretty much the same way. Everybody's got their own perspectives. They, they project their own biases. They do a lot of stuff. I try to see things for what they are. So uh, Duralast, which is AutoZone's tools, golly, uh, I don't think Ghost had a problem with the alternator uh, replacement we did. And that was primarily done with cheap AutoZone Duralast tools. So um, yeah. at the end of the day, it kind of depends on what you're doing. Now, being an ex-mechanic doing it for a living, did I have Snap-on Mac, you know, high you know high quality stuff and it's specific tools especially there that way yeah absolutely um but again spent quite a few years working for sears and it was super convenient at that time sears the craftsman stuff was a little better uh at, at that time it was just it was way convenient if something broke <laughs> to to uh to run it back in there mike sykes i see jumped it out there makojo uh, jump it in there out there as well what is up uh since we've got quite a few uh see quite a few of the patreon folks as well as uh youtube channel members just throw this out one more time directly after this check the community tab on youtube if you're a youtube channel member check the uh patreon page if you're a patreon patron we've got our private executive chat we're gonna we're gonna do after this so uh join us for that talk about a few things with the channel behind the scenes and all that now bernie out there he says always zero your torque wrench when you're done using them believe me i've had problems yep. in the past and uh yeah totally agree that is inside that is a bunch of springs and gears and other things and yeah you're way better off if you if you zero everything out for sure for sure buck out there said he's mostly had uh, snap on and matco uh yeah i would say I would say the the majority of 
specialty tools anyway, back when I was doing it for a living were probably snap on a Matco. And then I had, you know, you always need backup wrenches and backup sockets and different things like that. And typically those were craftsmen, but I gotta be honest. I, there was times I would just grab something out of the toolbox and nine times out of 10, I wasn't even paying attention to what it was, what brand it was. Uh, and it worked. So, uh, yeah, don't, uh, don't gotta hate too much on, uh, uh, all the other cheaper tools they they have their place at times especially around the house for household type stuff um with that we're uh kind of going down uh with another rabbit hole of tools there for some reason i don't know what the heck uh our tacking daughter says forever lost 10 millimeter sockets i've got a buddy that uh, uh i say a buddy an acquaintance that walks to work every morning and he i don't know he probably lives two or three miles from work uh and he's always finding 10 millimeter sockets on the highway <laughs> always um so that is one of the most popular sizes uh and that so that's one of the ones that uh 10 millimeter wrenches and sockets that's one of the ones that is uh uh often left under the hood of a uh, of a car tell you what i've you talk about things left under the hood of a car. I've done that. I don't know how many times, uh, I was missing a pry bar one time, uh, for good Lord, probably close to a year and had a car come into the shop, got it on the rack, was looking at everything, let it down, pop the hood and was looking around and there was my pry bar. Uh, I had left it. Uh, underneath that vehicle and it rode there for a year <laughs> nearly a year so uh yeah it does uh it does happen uh hbo matt he says he's also got one of the kinetic development group side lock automatic scope mounts you just slap it on the rail and it locks on so um i don't have a lot of uh i don't have a lot of quick disconnect type stuff um if that's what you're into, cool, I guess. Uh, I do have some red dots from other things that have the, you know, uh, quick connect, throw lever type things, that sort of stuff. I'm not opposed to it. It's just usually that stuff is extra money. And again, for what I'm trying to accomplish and achieve, I just don't see the, uh, I just don't see the need. You have a, a preference one way or another, Ghost? Um, I, I don't particularly like um, the quick release levers. I I have run one before on a magnifier, mm. um, but typically I my experience with them, and maybe because I don't go and spend high dollar for the quick connects, True. is they don't stay. I mean, unless I want to do Loctite on it, which I don't because there's a good chance that I don't want that on there forever or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I, they get loose and they rattle and they bother me. So I, I do not, I am not a huge fan of quick connect. Now, something that I probably maybe would use quick connect something for would be um, like a light or something where if I, I'm in that red dawn scenario and I don't think I'm going to use my light at all, for whatever reason, and I just want to drop and take it off and put, you know, whatever. 
But for optics, I would rather not use a quick hand. Just my experience. Like I said, I might not be yeah. using high quality stuff, but my experience is they they get they get loose too easily and they rattle. Yeah. Uh, now Matt out there, he's saying the QD is so he could swap from the thermal. Uh, and go hog hunting, and I mean, I do the same thing, but I've got what are those half inch? I think. Uh, I think it's like half inch nuts or whatever. Uh, on not only is it on my, are they that way on my thermal? And what I've got is I've got one of those little, I call it a palm wrench. Not real sure what you call it, but um, it takes me no time to to swap and. You know, if I'm swapping, um, you know, as long as it goes back on the right, the right place, so I've got the right eye relief or whatever like that, um, I don't have a big problem with, with hunting accuracy, right? And you start swapping optics back and forth, um, you're talking precision and all this other type of stuff, then, yeah, I mean, torque starts coming into play really heavily and a lot of other things. But if you're talking about just trying to be hunting accurate, out to 100 maybe 150 yards or something like that um i've I've swapped scopes manually you know screwdrivers and wrenches and all kinds of things uh and not re-zero anything and uh it'll work out fine be able to to put the uh you know put the pigs down without any problem uh, Rich White now, let, says, let me ask you, oh, go ahead. Yeah. No, go ahead. Go ahead. And I'll get no, to I was gonna say, so let me, let me ask you this because we're kind of on switching and swapping optics on specific rifles for, for different applications. Mm -hmm. So when you get a scope and you've got the, the right eye relief, you've got it zeroed. Mm -hmm. Do you mark on your top rail? with a Sharpie or anything to where you know where it is. And then you take that off and put a different optic. You'll, you'll mark something around the rail for that one as well. So, you know, when you put them back on, you know exactly where those are supposed to go. What I usually have is, you know, the, the ladder sections of rail cover. Yep. You know what I'm talking about? Not the mm -hmm. light that covers the entire rail, but that go in yeah. between them, the little ladder sections. Yeah. I'll I use usually... those to wear my, my pressure pad on my lights. Yeah. I use those all the time. What I will do is I will typically mark, either in front of or behind uh, with a small section of that, right? That covers literally gotcha. like two, two slots or something. Yeah. Um, and so that gives me a quick visual of, oh, okay, the front of it goes here. You know, tighten it up mm -hmm. uh, and you go. So. Um, yeah, I, I use silver and gold um, Sharpies. And I'll use, let's say for like, uh, when, I, when I took off my EOTech, um, to start doing the LPVO stuff, I mark that in silver right or in, the, in the front where I know that, that front rail is going to go right there. Mm -hmm. And uh, and it's, like I said, it's just you can do however you want to, but I suggest yeah. if you're going to utilize different optics for different applications with one rifle, unless you've got one hell of a memory, I would figure out some kind of a system that you know exactly where that optic's supposed to be mounted on at the right time. Yep. And what's cool about my thermal is it's got, I remember, three or five different settings. So what I can do is I can switch this from one rifle to another, go into the menu, and change it from number one to, say, number three, if that rifle is number three. And it automatically 
shifts zero, changes, you know what I'm saying? Changes everything to the settings for that rifle. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So you could utilize that, let's say, on your 50 or on a 308 or a 6.5 Creed, and you have those settings, I guess, programmed is what you're saying? You can yeah. program up to five? That's pretty cool. Yep. Yep. And I don't really cross-platform much. Um, the only two, I mean, it switches between one of my 300 Blackout SBRs and uh, my 308 Bolt rifle is really uh, – or one of my 308 bolt rivals is really the only two it ever swaps back and forth on. That's why that's how come I'm telling you, I can't remember if it has three or five different storage settings, but uh, because you because only I, use two of them. I've only ever, I've only ever <laughs> used two. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Uh, and then my dad, when he got his thermal, he didn't realize that they had that option. And uh, he was switching back and forth onto, you know, a 22 and then he would switch and put it on a, the Rossi, uh, what is the circuit judge, uh, or Taurus circuit judge. I don't remember which one he's got, but they're the same except for the name on them. Um, and then his 300 blackout pistol and then his, uh, his five, five, six AR. So, uh, yeah, he didn't realize that he could, he could do that, but he was also one of these people that when he got the thermal, he was so concerned with like same whole groups and stuff with it. It's like, ah, uh, stop, please. I mean, if you can get it in a four inch circle, as long as they fall within a four inch circle or something at a hundred yards, you're good. You know, yeah. we're talking about being able to hit, you know, the, the vital area of an animal or whatever. Yeah. Um, just, you're not going to be able to get, um, well, until you get up into the high dollar, the thermal dynamics and some of the other, you know, 15, 20, $25,000 thermal scopes. Okay. Right. You can probably do some precision work with those, but uh, the cheaper ones, you're just not going to be able to do that. Well, I think a lot of people also just in general um, put too much of a premium on, you know, being a precision shooter. And unless you're going to be doing precision competition, right. you know, like you said, as long as you can carry, um, a three or four inch group, you're good at, and that's why I've always kind of. I'm not a precision guy, but I've always gone with the third. I went, I used to go with the 5200 zero, but I've gone for like the last five years with the 36 yard zero, uh, because I'm not looking for precision. I want to know that at one yard out to 300 yards, if I put my dot in the center of that guy's chest, that it's going to hit within six inches of that from one to 300 yards. If they're outside 300 yards, they're not necessarily a threat to me anymore. Mm -hmm. So, um, but I, I think there are a lot of people that, that, that want to be precision and they get caught up in being too perfect and they'll drive themselves crazy. And it's right. like, no, 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 no. Don't, don't worry about being a precision shooter unless that's what you're trying to be. Right. If you're just trying to be able to take down a, an animal or whatever, then understand that a three inch group at 150 or 200 yards probably is great because if you can get a three inches at a hundred yards, I mean, especially where I live and where you live, how many shots are you going to take in the woods? That's outside of a hundred yards. You're probably right. thinking anything inside 50 yards because you're not going to have that much of a clearing, you know, when you're yeah. hunting. Right. Yeah. And, and, thermal i mean it, it's it's interesting because until again until you get up into the and i'm saying cheap for thermal right and i'm going to be yeah, honest five grand, you, if, five you're grand. Not, <laughs> if you're not spending a minimum of three grand you're getting a piece of junk thermal 
and if you're out there and you have one that's less than that i'm i'm, I'm sorry if that rubs you the wrong way uh but yeah you've got a yeah you got one of the worst uh three grand is about the cheapest that you can get in so it's all relative right because some people are going cheap what the crap um but again when you're talking about some thermals out there that are upwards of 25 30 grand uh, and if you ever get to play with any of those, holy Jesus, uh, and it's the technology in them, uh, plain and simple. But, you know, when you're talking about that, let's say three to $6,000 range thermal, uh, a lot of people look at that detection range of 1,200 yards, 1,000 yards, 900 yards, whatever it might be. Uh, and they think that they can shoot that far. And it's like, no, that's that's detection, right? That's when you know something hot is there. In other words, then you've got even in, in, in closer than that, you've got your detection range, which is way out there. Even for the cheapest of thermals, they can usually detect pretty far off. But you don't know what that is. You can't tell what that is. All you can tell is it's a heat source. Then you've got identification range, right? So you may have a 900 yard uh, detection range, but your identification range, and that just has to do with the uh uh, the clarity, basically, of, of, you know, how you're able to see the resolution, I should say, more than anything. Uh, but you're kind of able to tell what it is. In other words, you can see, start to see general subtleties in an outline. Maybe you could see the walk and the movement. Uh, and that's what they cool about thermal and just playing around with it, whether it's on a rifle or not. It's just watching different animals and things at night and how they move and how they walk. Because uh, that helps with identification. Uh, that helps increase, I should say, or, yeah, increase your identification range. Um, but, you know, watching things like that, well, that's your identification range. But even at your identification range, uh, you know, that may, okay, maybe you're able to identify it three or 400 yards. But, you know, are you shooting, are you using a caliber that you can even take a shot at that distance, right? Um and the answer to that is no. Are there things, there, are there potential obstructions or other things? That's a long way off, you know, in between you and there. And, uh, you know, there's just a lot of factors that you have to take into consideration. So, uh, yeah, if you're out there, if you're looking at thermal, uh, pay attention to those three and understand how they relate to each other for detection range, identification range, and then actual, you know, pulling the trigger, taking a shot. Um Rich says, uh, back on the tool thing, because I got a story about this too. Rich says about 12 years ago, his brother-in-law and him was installing a new gas stove, calibrating it for LP, and they left a pair of pliers uh, inside the stove under the burner. So that's 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 funny. Uh, stranger things have happened. He said uh, he said still he still has the pliers, but they don't have any rubber grips. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so testament to the proper tools for the proper job. Um, so I was doing some electrical. Well, I, I wasn't doing electrical work. I'll tell you what happened. So uh, I, I get woken up one morning and my son was talking about sparks and some things happening outside his bedroom window. So I jump up and I run out there and it was sparks coming out from underneath my uh, my meter, uh, electrical meter. And so anyway, got the, got everything opened up and got to look at it. I had two wires that the... Uh, extension or whatever that come out of the loop it was loose and the wind was blowing very windy that that morning and it had rubbed a spot through the insulation on a wire and it was grounding off against the uh against the housing 
Uh, we're talking about coming straight out of the meter now, straight out of the meter. And I'm like, oh, crap, what am I going to do? It's going to, you know, it's going to burn my house down. It's going to, what am I going to do? So anyway, I run in. This is a testament to Klein tools, right? If you're dealing with electricity and things like that, uh, yeah, 100% get the proper tools. But I grabbed a pair of Klein needle nose pliers. Now, by this time, my wife, I don't know, one of the kids, somebody had, maybe I did it. I can't remember now. I had called my grandfather. And he was he was already down here. And uh, I was like, well, we got to do, we got to do something at least temporarily, you know, right? And so I grabbed my Klein needle nose pliers and, you know, reached in there and I was going to, not my my plan was to not touch anything but the wire right and push it away from the side of the the housing and in the process of doing that i was basically playing uh what's that game where you you press your uh, op op operation <laughs> operation is what i'm thinking yeah, yeah. yeah. basically this was a high stakes game of operation yeah and uh that was the plan was to reach in there um it didn't happen and the next thing I remember is my grandfather standing over me and me waking up and it actually knocked me back 10, 15 foot, uh, according to him. And I was out for, a, you know, a few minutes, max, maybe, uh, he thought I was dead. Um, anyway, we, I found the pliers, um, I don't know, a, a month or two later, I found the pliers that were, they were probably, golly 30 or 40 feet away um and i didn't even think to look at them look for them after that happened uh but it, it ended up happening across them and about an inch of the end of them were it was like you cut them with a cutting torch oh, and wow. and to this day it's like if i weren't using klein pliers if i was had some cheap walmart crap or something like that oh you were done i would have been dead man i'd have been dead but uh, the insulation that was on those pliers was, yeah, legit. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, what I talk about, we talked about cheap tools and stuff like that. Depends on what you're doing. Uh, if, you're, if you're messing with electrical, uh, yeah, definitely make sure you've got the proper, proper tools to uh, do all that because electricity is no joke for sure. So. Yeah. Yeah, we went down uh, a few rabbit holes. So, yeah. I um got about I don't know, got about fifteen minutes here. We got to jump over onto the uh, private executive chat for the YouTube channel members and the Patreon patrons. So remember, if you fall into either of those two categories, go to the community tab on um, YouTube. I've got a link for you there. You can jump in, or uh, over on Patreon, there's a couple, and you can jump into that. We're gonna chat privately about some things going on with the uh going on with channel speaking of something going on with channel we can talk about this i uh i put a post out there to channel members and patreon people earlier but i could talk about it publicly real quick i'm kind of excited because um you know i've been talking about potentially getting that mossberg blaze 47 in for some time now what close to a year probably right ghost yeah about that yeah well, so update on that. And I don't think I talked about this. I don't even know if I told you about this. So I get a call from, or I get an email from Linda uh, and, and they're great. Mossberg is great to work with, but uh, bless her heart. She probably at minimum once a month will send me an email apologizing, right? Because of everything going on and they just don't have, you know, don't have 
anything to send, unfortunately, right now, whatever. But um, so about a month ago, I get an email, and uh, she's like, um, "Well, the good news is we have a Blaze Forty Seven we can send you." I'm like, "Well, it's about time, you know." And then I read down further. She says, "The bad news is we've discontinued these from our 2021 lineup." <laughs> I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? Um, so she's like, that's kind of funny. She's like, so what do you want to do? And I'm like, well, I don't really, what's the point in me getting something that nobody can, you know, I mean, are there going to be some still in the, in the used market and whatever for years to come and whatever? I'm sure there are. Right. Um, but I'm like, you know, she's like, do you still want it? I'm like, you know, not really, because I'm like, my thinking is if it's not in the current catalog, you know, would I like to pick a pick up a used one one day or something like that to play with? OK, maybe. But when you're talking about working with a company, do you really want to work with a discontinued product? You know? Yeah. Well, and uh, well, so like I said, this was about a month ago. And she's like, well, go check out the catalog and, you know, see if there's anything else. And so anyway, they, they've got a uh, uh, Mossberg uh, International 802 Plinkster, which is a bolt action 22. Um, that I don't see much love around on that. And um, I, I'm interested, I was interested in that because... I own a couple of, and actually looked at some at, at Watermaker. I don't know if you remember or not. Last several times we've been, uh, some old Mossberg trainer rifles and stuff. So some of the the sure up legit old school Mossberg 22 bolt actions are, if they're in any kind of good shape, I mean they can hang with competition rifles made yesterday. Um, and I'm like, so that's kind of be a cool one maybe to to play around with. So anyway, I let her know. She's like, oh yeah, that's a she, you know, she's like that. We think that I think that's a great fit because they don't get a lot of love, right? Everybody's into the semi-auto stuff, uh, and they don't realize that we've got a really nice bolt action twenty-two. And so, uh, I got to notice today. Long story short, to make it short, I got to notice today that finally, after months of uh, waiting to get something from Mossberg. <laughs> it's uh, I've got I've got one on its way. So look for something, you know. Look for some stuff on that uh, 802 Plankster in the. Yeah, I think that I, I just broke out in a rash and got a little nauseous when you when you combine bolt action and 22. Uh, right. I just, I, I just I, I'm allergic to that. <laughs> so now you know. You mentioned that the other night, right? And I kind of chuckled when you mentioned that. So now you know why I chuckled. So. Yeah, I hear you. Because uh, I, I didn't, I didn't know at that particular time. I didn't know till the day it was actually on its way. But uh, right, but I knew that I had had kind of put in and asked for that. So uh, yeah, gonna be interesting to see. I got several things planned for that. If we can put it up against an older model, uh, one of those trainers that I own, we can put it up against some other, uh, you know, beginner, budget-minded, competition-worthy rifles and see what happens just there's a lot of things we can do with it so really looking forward to working with that one yeah yeah that sounds kind of cool actually and more importantly with my supply of um hey guy that comments jumping in out there and uh with um with my supply right now of of 
22 long rifle ammunition, right? Um, it makes sense to go that route over nine millimeter, 308, 65 Creed. <laughs> yeah. 45 ACP, something else. Uh, that is a pain in the rear to try to find. Or pain in the wallet if you do find it. This is true. This is true. I'm hoping things, though. I mean, Remington's going strong. They are. Every every company out there is going strong. And so, um, you know, man, you got to think. Stuff will eventually, it's got to ease up. It's got to. Um, and I don't know if that happens later on this year. Uh, I don't know if we're looking at a, at a longer period of time. I go back now and see, we didn't do, we weren't doing this in 2013, right? And we weren't doing this in 2008. We weren't doing this in 2001 and we weren't doing this in 1999 and we weren't doing this in 1994 and we weren't doing this in 1992 and all of these other cycles that we've been through, right? And so we don't have an archive to really know. It's like, how long did that last, right? Because I'm, I think yeah. about that, and I'm thinking, how long did this last before? And what were some of the indicators and in the signs? And and the beautiful thing is, the next time it happens, which it went don't get don't cheaper. get me wrong, it will come out of this, and it'll happen again. At least we can go back, and maybe we'll have a record to <laughs> fall back on a little bit, something other than our memory. Yeah, because this is different than 2013. Because 2013, ammo just wasn't available. Right. This time, it's been available, but it's being bought up by groups of people and sold for double, triple the price on purpose. And that's where the issue is. It's a little bit different scenario. And this one is different than 2013 because 2013 to my recollection, was only several calibers. It was 22LR, 9mm, 223. This is across the board. Yeah. And I don't believe even in 2013, I don't reload, so I wouldn't know, but you'd probably remember, I don't remember the reloading supplies, especially the primers being an issue in 2013. It was just manufactured... It was just manufactured ammo that was the biggest so, issue, wasn't it? So the biggest issue with no, there was there was definitely uh, um, I, I don't the reloading I don't think I don't think was as bad as it is now. Don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that, uh, but it was it was bad. Uh, it was powders and primers predominantly. Um, projectiles weren't too terrible to come by. Brass wasn't too terrible to come by, um, but powder specifically. But that was not. It was because uh, one of the major manufacturers had uh, a facility catch on fire, which well, that, that, that help, screwed yeah. production up during a panic or whatever, right? During a scare buying situation. So, uh, but I mean, you, you, that's similar to, and in, in, um, the guy that comments out there is, is dead on. The, the what's led up to our, the issues we're dealing with now it's a it's a multi-factored multi-faceted thing right there's so many different problems and issues and angles and and things that have caused this that uh, I think that's why we're at the the level we're at now I'll tell you this before the next time it happens um, I vow right now live on air that uh, by the next time that the next bad cycle comes around, I will own a, own a 350 Legend. 
I guarantee. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Um, because yeah, that, 350 yeah. Legend was hotcakes last year, man. They, they were selling everything 350 Legend you could find was gone. That's that's I see that on the shelves all the time around here, all the time. Well, it, it was, but I remember, I, I don't know if you remember we were talking about the phone. This is probably like. October, November of last year, and I was like, what the hell's going on with 350 Legend? Mm -hmm. Because my local gun shop sold, like, all 12 of the 350 Legend rifles they had, right. and all the ammo in, like, a week. And all of a sudden, 350 Legend, I, I guess because it was there, and right. people were just buying what was in stock, but, I mean, it's crazy. You know, whatever that strange caliber that's kind of like the redhead stepchild the next cycle, that's what's going to, whatever's on the shelf, people are going to buy. So is this gonna be, what's going to be the next 350 legend, I guess, you know? Right. Uh, 2A Dave says he needs a 22 long rifle. Yes, sir, you do. Uh, if you need advice, you need me to push you in that direction, get a hold of me. I'll be glad to usher you properly into the world of 22 long rifle and give you many suggestions. Might I, might I say, first of all, the Browning Buckmark. Uh, if you get that, you don't need any other 22 ball rifle, but uh, I digress. Uh, Papa out there, he says, this time around, you get uh, you get if you want to pay for it. Same with lumber, and that hurts my heart. He says, so currently, diesel parts are getting scarce. Uh, there's a lot of things. There's a lot of things, honestly. Uh, you know, when you have whole countries and states and whatever worldwide, right, that shut down like things did last year uh there's going to be ripple effects and it doesn't matter what it is um and i can't believe lumber don't even get me started because you know, as i mentioned at the top of the show um and as you can see if you look at the channel art on uh, uh any of the platforms that i'm on i, I changed the channel art and I actually have a background there uh used a, a picture of the range after i kind of whipped it back into shape a little bit and uh you know, my goal was to rebuild the wall, and uh, a seven-dollar sheet of OSB is now thirty-two dollars. And I'm like, no, <laughs> just, just, just no, right? I mean, it's, it's not. You could get it for ten bucks before. It's not an option. I'm not going to try to fundraise for it or crowdfund for it or anything. Yeah, you'll come up with stickers or do some kind of. That just the answer is no. I, I refuse to pay that. Um, ain't happening. Uh, thankfully when it comes to lumber and, and every other industry and stuff's going to be a little different. I did do a lot of reading on the lumber industry and the factors that went into play there. It was mostly, you know, shutdown related. Um, yeah, it was factories not being, yeah. having the manpower to do anything. Yeah, it was, you know, factories getting shut down and it also a ramp up in home building due to lower interest rates and, uh, you know, different things like that. But, um, um, they're they're supposedly later on this year they're talking you know early mid fall they're saying the prices should start to come back down now will they be as low as they were before time will tell who knows right but um uh, but lower like i would give 12 15 dollars a sheet i you know i would i would pay that for it um but 32 that's i don't think so uh so guy that comments says legend has it. Clovertech has a, he has, I guess he's saying he has a, a 350 legend is what he's saying. Um, 
I want one. I haven't decided whether I want AR platform or I want a bolt action. I'm honestly leaning more toward the bolt action. Um, there's just a lot I can do when it comes to, uh, you know, non-semi-automatic because I don't have to worry about cycling. Uh, and there's potentially a lot that I can do with specialized loads and different things, you know, when, when you're talking about hand loading, right? Uh, Samuel's mommy jumping in out there says, uh, I'm still a beginner. Should I pay the prices to keep practicing or dry fire instead? Um, <coughs> I would be yes. real careful mixture. Yeah. I would be real careful about not, um, doing any live fire at all. Uh, I would dry fire and try to be a little more selective with what you purchase. Um, and I don't mean this in a bad way. But the people that are paying uber inflated prices right now are part of the problem that the situation continually gets extended out and lasts longer. Um, so I'm not saying don't buy it because we talked about this before. The, I don't have a problem with a vulture. That's what I call these folks that, that get in line at Academy, Walmart, Bass Pro, Cabela's, wherever early in the morning. They're retired. They don't have nothing better to do. They soak up, you know, their three boxes every day or every other day when it comes in. Pat Hirsch out there in the house. What's up, Pat? Uh, you know, they buy their stuff every, you know, every other day, whatever. Um, and as soon as they get out in the vehicle, right, receipt in hand, the receipt's still warm from the thermal printer. Uh, they're taking pictures and, and posting it for sale at, you know, five times the price, six times the price, whatever it might be. Crazy, right? I don't have a problem if... Somebody does that, and I know people in this area that do it this way, and that's why I say I don't have a problem with those folks. They'll go and they'll buy, you know, they'll pick it up nine millimeter, twelve ninety nine a box, right? Let's say, right at Academy, uh, and they'll post it for twenty dollars a box. Yeah, I got no well, problem with that. they had to. They paid tax on the twelve ninety nine. We know that. Uh, they had to get up early. They had to stay stand in line. So I mean. Okay, they ended up making making five bucks a box off of it, right? And they were they had a little bit of inconvenience, and so that helps get it in the hands of somebody that may need it, right? Um, and so you're pricing somebody's time and labor, and that's that's always a difficult task and something that is usually hard to swallow. But um, I can handle that type of scenario a little better than the guy that does the same thing and puts it up for 50 or $60 a box. You know, um, those folks are straight up trying to take advantage. They're not trying to help anybody. So my advice would be reach out maybe to some of your older retired friends or something like that, that have time do the groundwork and the legwork for them as to what delivery schedules look like at some of the sporting goods stores. And, Tell them, hey, if you know, whatever, I'll give you five dollars extra for every box you can you can pick up, right? And a lot of these folks, they go, they get up early in the morning anyway, right? They go drink their coffee and eat their donuts or whatever it might be and hang out anyway. So basically, you're paying for their for their their fuel and their breakfast to swing by the sporting goods store and pick up a couple boxes of ammo for you. So, um. Beat the vultures at their own game, right? Yeah, I have no problem with the twenty dollar box. It's when you see fifty, like you said, fifty, sixty, and they're doing it because they can. 
Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that that's what that's what bothers me. I have no time for those fools. And and there's a lot of people out here locally that are doing that, and I know who they are. Mm-hmm. And I'll take mental notes of that. You know, right. We got um, somebody out there had a question. Who was it? Makojo. It says, "What do you think?" Uh, of the budget-friendly Rossi RS22 semi-auto. Um, I think it's probably worth what you pay. Um, you've got the Savage 64 right there in that price range. I, I would go probably with the Savage 64 over the Rossi myself. Uh, kind of close in that price range. So for the money, not bad. Um, I, I've got an issue with the rear sights on most Rossi's. They're plastic, and they're that triangle-looking style rear sight. If you ever see that sight on a Rossi and it's plastic, uh, just know that it's probably garbage. And <laughs> you're going to have to put a scope on there or another set of sights or do something. Um, as far as running and as far as accuracy, meh, it's, it's, it's okay. I mean, you could definitely bring home some squirrel with it. Uh, is the trigger super great? No, not at all. Uh, not even close. Um, so I mean, it is what it is for the money. Uh, I think if you go into it knowing that you've just bought a, what, a hundred, $120, whatever it is, 22 semi-automatic rifle. Uh, I don't see how you could, I don't see how you could be disappointed, uh, quite, quite honestly. So, uh, we got to get out of here. I see ghost is a thing in the side chat out there, but 45, uh, ACP pop out there says, oh, it's be 40 bucks a sheet there. Good Lord. Uh, he said the last lumber shortage price did not go up much. You just couldn't get it this time. Uh, you can get it, but can't afford it. <laughs> yeah. Sheet rocks about triple the price right now, too. It's crazy. You know, oh, yeah. Nuts. Everything's yeah. nuts. Yeah. Plywood, yep. plywood, PVC pipe. It's all crazy right now. It's all, yeah. Any building supplies. Samuel's mommy says, uh, I agree. Says, have some ammo and, uh, stored up from before and have been going to the range about once a month. Shoot about 100 rounds, and that gets enough. 100 rounds a month? Yeah, absolutely. I think. Absolutely. Yeah, if you're not talking about competition or, you know, whatever, uh, talk about, you know, the, just keeping the perishable skill that is uh, uh, shooting up, then, yeah, I think. Yeah, I'll be think, honest with you, Samuel. Fine. I mean, even if you're only able to, if you want to start rationing even more, you could. Um, a magazine. Maybe two magazines a month, just so that you know that your dry fire. I would suggest going and get something like a Manus X or something that's going to actually help you with dry firing and, and do all of that. And then once a month, go to the range. You don't even have to shoot a hundred rounds. Just put a one or two magazines through to make sure that your mechanics are solid. You don't even have to go a hundred rounds if you don't. If you start getting low on ammo, start just doing a magazine or two, and, and then that's just enough to kind of re- keep you refreshed every month. Yep. Yeah, no, absolutely. And my biggest takeaway is for everybody, um, learn from the past. Uh, you know, you don't see me complaining and whining and nearly as much as some folks. And that's because I'm sitting on quite a bit of ammunition. I'm sitting on quite a bit of reloading supplies and other things. Why? Because I've been through this before. So, um, you know, for some people, it's your second time through this. Shame on you. <laughs> you should you should have been prepared. Uh, but you know, if it's your first time and this guy this caught you, you know, so to speak, with your pants down, 
then um, there's nothing wrong with that. I, I understand. Uh, learn from it. It'll come back around when it comes back around. Uh, Ghost has said this before. When you, you know, when it comes back around and you go to buy ammunition, buy two boxes instead of one, buy four instead of two, buy five instead of four. Um, you know, maybe look into now is not the time, but maybe look into some reloading equipment and some and some other stuff. Right. Uh, maybe curb back on the firearm buying uh, for a year or two once we come out of this uh, and concentrate on you know, making sure you got ammunition uh, just in case. Uh, or I say just in case for when, because we all know it's going to happen for when that other, uh, you know, the next cycle comes around uh, and we're all dealing with this again. Uh, Ghost, we do got to get out of here. So um, just a, a quick reminder, as soon as this is over, if you are a red dog, jumping in out there. What's up, bro? Um, Defense dad jumped in. Southpaw jumped in. We had a bunch of people jump in the last freaking minute here. Good Lord. Uh, yeah, the questions started rolling in at the last minute also. Yeah. So, <laughs> Got to get out of here because I've got a private executive meeting with the uh, YouTube channel members and the Patreon patrons. If you are a channel member uh, in the uh, community tab, you'll see a post of the link for that. If you're a Patreon patron, there is a link out there as well. Uh, directly, as soon as we get off air here, we're jumping uh, over there. So join us. Got some channel business. Uh, we'll let our hair down a little bit probably there. Got some barbecue jumping in. What's up, bro? Uh, but, uh, yeah, we're going to do that. Uh, hit on this really quick um, with, uh, who was it? Red Dog out there. So have you, had done a reload, have you done a reloading podcast? Remember a while back was a lot of interest in reloading. Uh, I have not. Uh, look at Elfers, Elfster's Rifles and Reloading. Uh, if you don't follow that dude. Uh, Kevin Elster, uh, awesome channel, does a lot of stuff. Uh, I did have Squibload on here, and we talked some reloading and other stuff one time. Uh, but oh, what's his name? I don't, I don't get, I don't get crazy off into doing videos and talking about the reloading. Um, there is a certain bit of liability when you get into actual load data and other things. Uh, that I'm honestly not comfortable with. You've got people out there that say, well I, well, I don't shoot other people's reloads. Well, if if you're the type that you're not, you know, not going to shoot other people's reloads and you're that leery, then you also got to be careful when you're talking to people, right? Because reloading is one of those things. You, it's, it's not difficult and it's not rocket science and it's not nearly as dangerous, I don't think, as a lot of people seem to think it is. But you do have to be extremely careful. And there's a lot of things you gotta gotta pay attention to. So there's another um, guy. His name is leaving my mind. It's on tip of my tongue. But he's the younger guy. Lives in Atlanta. He hangs out with Scotsman all the time. He's been doing a lot of reloading videos the last year. Oh my right. god! Uh, I can't remember his name. But yeah, there's there's several guys out there that kind of specialize in the reloading yeah, stuff. There are there are a lot of different channels. But for you, um. Just close us out here. You got uh, final thoughts and plugs, things going on on the channel. Anything you want to talk before we uh, before we jump? Yeah, we're right in the middle of the LPVO series. I dropped the first one uh, over the weekend. Dropped one uh, a couple hours ago on mounting an LPVO, and it, and it can go along with mounting a scope as well. Uh, Thursday, I'll have one dropping about zeroing. Um, I will not be doing the podcast tomorrow night. Tomorrow is my 25th anniversary, and it's also the Battle Pups' one-year birthday. Uh, but no, my there wife won't go. be happy to hear that. But 
right. no, I won't be doing a show. I'll be going to dinner with the family tomorrow night for the anniversary. So uh, no show tomorrow night. But if you were watching last week, we are starting a new kind of a thing on the show. Uh, kind of like the old Jimmy Kimmel mean tweets. But uh, we're talking about the tweeter. And I'm not a big Twitter guy, but um, – I'm going to start something new. We're going to start reading some of the best tweets of the week and just tag me. If you want to go with the crayon jokes or the Marine jokes or the tactical jokes, whatever jokes do you want to throw out there? Tag me. It's, it's just, you can just search ghost tactical uh, and use the hashtag ghost tweets and the best ones of the week. I will uh, read on air and we'll have some fun with them. So, if we're going to have Twitter, we might as well utilize it for something fun. So that's what we're going to start doing. Right. Yeah, I mean, I'll agree with that. And happy early, uh, early happy anniversary or happy early anniversary. Oh, uh, Joe Son out there saying congrats. Southpaw says uh, the Reloading Network. And, uh, yeah, that's a great, a great. Chico, resource. Chico Wise. That's who it is. Chico's been doing a lot of stuff. Yeah. Chico Wise. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. For, uh. Yeah, for some of the, the reloading stuff. Um, is that something that we could get into? I mean, we could get into that on uh, a Monday night. If you have somebody out there that can get nerd out, geek out, and, and talk reloading. Um, like I said, we've done it once on here with with Squibload. We got into some reloading and some uh, black powder stuff with him. And we may have had a couple others. It may have been Nighthawk Medic or uh, one of them that we got into some reloading and I'm not opposed to sort of what this show is about. It's about you guys kind of bringing up topics, bringing up questions, um, just kicking back and having a good time on a Monday and then bringing in some type of other uh, creator, somebody from the, uh, from the farm community. Uh, again, we're considerably over all my uh, YouTube channel members, Patreon patrons. I'll see you guys over on, Soon as I hit the button here, we'll fire up the private live stream, uh, and we'll uh, we'll talk over there about some channel business in the executive chat meeting. For everybody else, remember you can always participate down in the comments below wherever you're watching or listening to this. Thanks to everybody that was out there live. Hopefully, I did not miss anybody and shouting you out. Uh, and until next week, peace out.